Take your Bibles and turn once again to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Though you may not know the age of an individual at times, uh, you can sometimes uh, figure out how old they are by how they respond to certain things. Especially when it comes to commercial advertising. You can identify when they lived. For instance, uh, my generation uh, was raised uh, when uh, the commercial Where's the Beef? was a part of American life where you had an, an older lady uh, yelling about the fact that uh, all she had was a hamburger bun and no meat on the hamburger. And so she cried, Where's the beef? And that was her whole statement. Or you, you can remember the fact that uh, for uh, several decades uh, you had one uh, company that uh, just simply advertised this way, uh, you deserve a break today. And you go, where? At McDonald's. And, and, and people would know that. Now, you know, recent generations, they have no clue. They, they have no idea what you're talking about. There was one advertisement that went for them uh, the mid-70s, well into the 80s, and it was from Bell Systems, or we would know it as Ma Bell, and eventually AT&T took it up. And it was this statement, reach out and see, I, I didn't even have to finish it, I got it, reach out and touch someone. Okay, uh, and it was an advertisement. It was first in newspapers for a while, where they or newspapers and in magazines where they would print this and you know reach out and touch someone and tell them about something that's happened. And I can remember some of the advertisement. And this guy caught a fish and he's calling his buddy to tell him how big it is and whatever you know. And the family's got the fish and he's going like this as he talks on the phone. And and you have all sorts of different things like this uh, when it came to that commercial and. You know, one of them was just simply this, that, you know, Joey's called, and what for? He's 2,000 miles away. Is there something wrong? And no, he just called to say that he loved us and hope we had a good day. And oh, okay, you know, all of these things. But the idea of reach out and touch someone was a, an advertisement slogan that, that uh, affected a generation where they could finish that line. Uh, it was a ploy by AT&T to get you to buy more phone lines in your house. You had to buy the phones back then from the actual company. I remember those days, and even back then in the 70s, you had the rotary phones still in many households where uh, you had to figure out how to do that. And, of course, this generation has no idea what to do with a rotary phone if they, they're approached with that. But the idea of reaching out and touching someone or reaching out to someone is not a new concept. In fact, as you look at John chapter 1, there is uh, a whole number of people in different ways reaching out to individuals. And you say, well, what are they reaching out with? Well, they're reaching out with a message. And actually not just a message, a person. A person that we know as Jesus, that some are going to call here the Christ or the Messiah, that there are individuals going about telling others or reaching out to others and saying, we have found this one Jesus, or we found the Messiah, we found the Christ, and you need to know certain things about him. You need to understand certain things about him. And when you look at uh, the, this passage in John chapter 1, and we'll look at another passage in John uh, chapter 4 today, uh, that you have certain people reaching out with the message of the gospel. 
They're doing this. They're, they're attempting to tell people about this Jesus that they have found uh, or this Jesus that certain individuals need. As you go through this uh, passage that we read the, this morning, and in John chapter 1, we have uh, initially these first individuals that receive Christ just simply had their attention directed by one reaching out with a general message about being prepared. You look at uh, this one that's mentioned to start off with is a man by the name of John, the one who's baptizing. We know him as John the Baptist. He's an individual who goes out and it's not necessarily that he goes out and finds a bunch of people. He actually goes to a wilderness. He goes to the Jordan River and he starts preaching and he's preaching a message where he's saying prepare ye the way of the lord and when individuals come he's calling them to repentance i mean the message is not clear in the sense of it completely that jesus is the messiah or anything like this but what he's doing is by his message is preparing people to meet jesus they may not get all of the details, but they're getting some of it. That there's a king coming and there's a way that needs to be prepared or cleared off so that this one can come and be ready to be received. And, and if you really want to be ready to receive him, there needs to be repentance in your own soul for your own sin that you don't just simply look at yourself as being better than everybody else. No, you're just like everybody else and that you have a problem with sin and so you need to confess your sins, you need to repent of your sins and be prepared for one who's coming and so you had people that were asking questions of him just generic questions are are you the christ and he would deny and say as you look in john chapter one he would deny the fact no i'm not the christ and they go okay are you the prophet you say who's the prophet well the prophet would have been one the one that moses said you need to pay attention to way back in deuteronomy 18 he said this there's a prophet that's going to come after me that's like unto me you need to hear him and so people are asking john are are you the prophet and are you elijah and are you jeremy the prophet or jeremiah the prophet or one of the prophets and and so they're trying to find out and john is not giving them the whole information at once he's giving them bits and pieces to get them ready to receive the messiah do you realize that in reaching out to people it may very well be just you giving people bits and pieces of the gospel that they grasp onto initially some of you it may have been the case that you heard different bits and pieces from friends or co-workers or individuals that you knew or you heard something on the radio or the like where you heard certain things about this messiah this jesus this christ and there were certain things that you needed this is what john was doing he's prepping people to meet jesus to know him and it is this way when it comes to some of our gospel interaction with people what we tell people about jesus is that we don't get the opportunity to share the full gospel with them but we have opportunity for an instant or for some time uh, for a few minutes for a few seconds to talk about jesus 
You're reaching out with Jesus, but you don't get the opportunity to necessarily give them the complete gospel. You say, well, what are you doing? Well, as the Apostle Paul described this, this is like one who's planting seeds. Does a person get to see people saved every time they plant seeds about Jesus Christ and how to meet him and what we're like and all of these things out of the scripture that people are told? Do we get to see people come to Christ immediately? The answer is no. For some people, the random encounters that we have, it's a stacking up of different things throughout their life where they've heard certain things about Christ that when they're finally with somebody that knows the gospel or has a a lengthy amount of time with them, that they suddenly understand these things. But for many, our opportunities in giving the gospel as we reach out to individuals, it's just that we're planting seeds. We're dropping some information about Christ in our preparation and reaching out to them. It's not necessarily fully that people are going to understand and completely come to understand and accept Christ. In fact, they only get little tidbits. John is doing that. John is, uh, people don't quite understand his whole message. He does have individuals that follow him full time. He's got his own disciples that are following after him. And we know that from the story that we read here, that he's got a couple of individuals that are following after him. But for the most part, people are still not completely understanding what he's talking about. They don't fully comprehend, but he's, he's laying the groundwork And what John is showing for us is that there are certain individuals that are reaching out and giving the groundwork or laying foundational material for individuals to eventually accept Christ. And that may be what your reaching out is like. The opportunities you have in crossing paths with people or just talking with them to point people to Christ, the importance of knowing Him being prepared to meet him. These type of statements that you make about Christ and your knowledge of him, these are the type of things that John the Baptist is doing. But you do have on one occasion where Jesus goes by, and we read this account where John is commenting on the fact that in verse 29 he said behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sins of the world so he's obviously talking about somebody in the crowd but people don't pinpoint who he's talking about but the next day as you see in verse 35 he has two of his disciples with him and as jesus goes by he says behold the lamb of god Now this term, Lamb of God, or Behold the Lamb, has all sorts of overtones for the nation of Israel. I mean, it could talk about the fact, here's a lamb that is one who is the sacrifice. Or he is the one that we find in Isaiah chapter 53, that he's a lamb that is before his shears, uh, that is silent. This one that is a messianic passage that the Jews would have been looking for. Or it could be referring to the fact that here you have this one who's like the Passover lamb. One that was slain and that God's judgment passed over 
these individuals that had the blood on their doorpost, this was the one that is like this. And when John points to these uh, to Jesus and these two disciples hear this, behold, the Lamb of God, and he's pointing away from himself and pointing out to Jesus, these two men come along and follow after Jesus. Okay, John's now said, there's the one you need. And John says this, and they come and follow after Jesus, and you see there in verse number 38 that Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? Where, where are you at? Where are you staying? So that we can go and stay where you're at and try and figure out more about you. In verse 39, he just simply said this, Come and see okay you've got questions you come and see and observe and ask and 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 find out about me and what you'll find out is that you'll get all the things you need to do so come and see now we don't really know there's some question when it says there in verse 39 that they abode with them that day for it was the 10th hour and the question is what's the 10th hour it could mean 10 o'clock in the morning or it could mean 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You go, why? It depends on what time scale that John is using. We don't know. But whatever the time frame is, here you have these two disciples that have the rest of the day to come and be with Jesus and ask him questions and for him to respond to them and for them to observe him and see him. And Realize this, it didn't, uh, in, in this case, instantaneously did they come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. They had a few questions. They had some things they wanted answered, but it's fairly quick that they come to know Christ. You go, why is that? Because the response of them, one, one of them is immediate, that he goes and finds somebody else and says, we found the answer. We found the one who can rescue and save. And so what you have is this one, this John, and we, we have him in this category, is one like uh, others who are to give out the gospel, who is just sending out tidbits of information, and finally he says, this is the one you need, and these individuals go and examine who Jesus is, and they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. They have their faith and trust in him. And so this year, it may be that you have opportunities time and time again just to be one who is laying seed work uh, for individuals to begin to understand who Jesus Christ is, that you're reaching out with little pieces of the gospel and touching individuals with this. And it may be after the accumulation of all of this that they finally come to understand who Christ is. And you may not be a part of that. Someone else gets the opportunity to see this happen, but you're the one doing that. But it may be, you may be an individual that gets the opportunity to this year to reach out to relatives with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So you see in verse number 40, uh, it says this, that one of the two uh, which heard John speak, John the Baptist, and followed him was Andrew and then it refers to him this way, and it refers to him oftentimes this way, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, I find that interesting, and some of you understand that concept, that you lived in the shadow of a sibling. 
okay? It's, oh, you're so-and-so. Oh, you're so-and-so's brother or you're so-and-so's sister. Yes. That's kind of what Andrew lived his life as, is that he is Andrew... Oh, you're Simon Peter's brother. He's not the significant one. He's not the well-known one. But what we find with Andrew throughout the ministry of Jesus is you study out his life and where he appears. He's always bringing people to Christ. I just read this morning in John chapter 6 where Andrew is the one who brings this young man that has five loaves and two fishes and brings him to Christ. And on other occasions, he's bringing individuals in John chapter 12 that he brings these individuals to, to Philip, or excuse me, Philip brings them to Andrew, and Andrew brings them to Christ that are looking for Jesus, the Messiah. But Andrew, when he finds Jesus and understands who he is and puts his faith in this one, he immediately goes and finds his brother. You see this in verse number 41. He findeth first, his, or first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is, being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. See, there obviously had been interaction about religion in the home. What beliefs had taken place and what you know, was true and what wasn't true. And I can imagine his brothers and sisters, or brothers uh, that they had fought and his relatives, you oftentimes, even though you're close to them, you still fight over certain opinions and ideas. But on this occasion, Andrew shows up and just simply says this, we found the Messiah. And you go, what does that word Messiah mean? Well, it's a word that in the Old Testament meant anointed one. And you'd have individuals who were anointed in the Old Testament, priests and, and uh, kings would be anointed as they went to serve in special uh, leadership positions and responsibility, they would be anointed. But as you look in the Old Testament, there's one who's being talked about throughout that is the Messiah, the anointed one. The one that's chosen by God for a special service that is going to meet the needs of everyone. And Andrew says this, Peter, we found him, the Messiah. In our, our note it says here, the Christ. Realize that the word Christ is the New Testament word for the Messiah in the Old Testament. If you, you say, what, what, what's the difference? Messiah is Hebrew. The word Christ is Greek. Okay, so the Greek language, the word Messiah, would be Christos. It's a title, and, and anyone seeing this name, both Messiah or Christ, would understand this is the one that's chosen by God who is the answer and solution to mankind's problem. And so Andrew comes and he goes, okay, I found him. Let me take you to him. Okay, you've got my word on it, but I want you to see who he is. And so what he does is he takes Peter along with him and it is pretty amazing what the Lord does here in verse 42. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The, the idea of Simon is a small thing, a, a small rock. But here you've got this Peter, this Petros, that is going to be a rock, uh, someone solid, not just someone who is insignificant. There's a change when Peter meets Christ. And you say, is he perfect afterwards? Absolutely not. We've got the rest of the Gospels to show us that Peter is not perfect. 
I was reading uh, a couple days ago, and, and somebody said uh, that he was talking about Peter, and he said he had a foot-sized mouth. Uh, he was a, a person who was commonly sticking his foot in his mouth by words that he said. But at this point, he starts following this one, this Christ, this Messiah. Do you realize that you have a unique opportunity because of family lines to be able to witness to certain people that other people will never be able to witness to? Just because you're family. And you say, well, my family doesn't really want to hear about the gospel. But the fact is, is you have the unique opportunity to share Christ both in word and by life with the interactions that sometimes are forcible gatherings that you may have, you have the opportunity to be together with individuals and reflect Christ and point people to Christ. You have that opportunity to reach people who might never darken the door of a church, never even think about or consider being in a church, but you have the opportunity to point to people, this Jesus, this Christ is one whom I have given my life to, that I believe in and trust that he is my hope and you live your life around them and direct them by words to say, this is what gives me solid ground to live on. Now for some of you, it's the case of this and you may have had this happen when you got saved and you came back and told your family and started talking about it, they at least listened to you. They may have not immediately accepted it, but they go, okay, well, they've taken up something new and different. You know, they've, they've turned in their mind, turned over a new leaf or something like that, not realizing the transformation that's happened as a result of you accepting Christ, and they listened. There may have been others, and it may have been the case that when you said, I believe in Christ because he's the one I put my hope in, and it may have been that all doors shut with the family. And that does happen. But do you realize that you have the opportunity, the Lord puts you in the family that you're in with the relatives that you have, that if you know Christ, you have a unique opportunity to be able to reach out to those individuals with the gospel. You can do this. And it's your opportunity because of the family that God providentially puts you in to be able to reach out to family. In this case, uh, we have one of the greatest services of an individual who went and found a relative because you think about what Peter actually does later. What if Andrew hadn't gone and found his brother? But he found his brother and says, this is the Christ. You've got to come and meet him. Find out about him. And you find Peter being one of the most influential people in the church and in church history because of him coming to meet Christ. But it was as the result of a relative coming along and pointing him to Christ. This is the one you need. And so you may this year have the opportunity to reach out to relatives and point them to Christ. And it may be your delight to be able to see them come to Christ. I do find that believers that have oftentimes lifted up Christ and and been with Christ, when crisis situations happen in the family, who is the one who usually gets called first? 
find this to be the case oftentimes where family members who have been shut down to the gospel they don't want to hear it or anything but they hit crisis situation and they go well the first person who seems to have some solidity and stability in their life and have a confidence that i don't have oh it's that one who's the follower of jesus i'll call them and you have the opportunity to lift up christ and so it may be that you have the opportunity to reach out the gospel to individuals that are relatives. You see sometimes that uh, the gospel doesn't need anybody. You say, how do you have that? Well, look at the story as it goes along. Verse 43, the day following Jesus uh, would go forth in the Galilee, he findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Eventually what you're going to have is that in John chapter 4 you have the story of this woman who comes to fill her water pots and it says that the Lord, as you read the story, it starts off, the Lord must needs go through Samaria. He had to go through there. You go, for what purpose? To talk to this woman. In the middle of the day when you don't normally fill up water pots, he's going to talk to her and point her to her greatest need, which is a Savior, and she finds it in Jesus. There was no human interaction other than Christ himself that this individual came to be saved. Here you have Philip who is immediately confronted with Jesus and he says simply follow me and we find Philip from that point on following Christ. Do you realize that there are certain people who are saved that never have any real interaction with other people witnessing to them and they come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ i mean i I could probably uh maybe in this room find individuals who came to find christ as a result of reading their own bible or as the result of just watching a television program and hearing the gospel preached during that time No, no family interaction nobody talking to them they just hear these things and they come to this conclusion as they look at the scriptures and they hear it preached and they hear it declared uh or perhaps as i remember one occasion where an individual who was not having a good day he came home and had a fight with his wife and usually after those type of things you're looking for something to do and you're trying to distract your attention because you're like i don't know what else you know you just kind of wander around after you have a fight like that and he happened to reach up and find a track that had been left on the top of his kitchen refrigerator by somebody who had received it from somebody else and he pulled that off and he read that track And in the midst of that reading of that tract, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There are some people that will get saved, and it won't be really by anything that you're necessarily doing. I will say that's unusual, but it does happen. With Philip, the Lord goes and finds him and reaches out to him. I mean, we do have another occasion of an individual like this. I mean, I think about this. The Apostle Paul, he's going out to kill Christians, and suddenly in the Damascus Road, he meets Christ. Not looking for him, not looking to find him. Uh, He's looking to persecute whoever he can that's a follower, but he's not looking to find Christ, and all of a sudden, he finds Christ because Christ stops him right in his tracks there are occasions where people are saved like that philip is one of them 
where they directly meet Christ, or you have the woman at the well who directly meets Christ. And so sometimes you have individuals that are reached reached by God himself through different means, and they come to a saving knowledge of Christ. It's unusual. It happens. There are others who are are reached by friends. You see in the story that Philip, who's of Bethsaida, which is the city of Andrew and Peter, uh, he goes in verse 45, and he finds Nathaniel. Now Nathaniel, he goes and tells him this, that we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He says, hey, you know, we've had some discussions about religion and different things at different times. We you know, we, we have found him. We found this one that the prophets pointed to that Moses wrote about. We found him, Jesus of Nazareth. And right then and there is skepticism. Okay? He comes and finds his friend Nathaniel. But Nathaniel's not right up front going, oh, okay, I believe everything you say. There's skepticism. But Philip has done the reaching out. He said, we found the Messiah. We found the one whom we've been seeking in the law. But Nathaniel, verse 46, responds and says, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? We talked a little bit about this uh, when we went through the fact that Jesus would be called the Nazarene, that prophecy at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 2. What does that mean? Well, it's just simply this, that this town of Nazareth is an out-of-the-way place. It's a despised and looked-down-upon spot. It's not an incredible place to be at. It's a small, insignificant town. In fact, it's dwarfed by uh, the Roman town that was being built right next to it called Sephoris. It was a massive town, and then you had this little town called Nazareth, and here you have an individual from the region that's there and going, can, there, can, can really any good thing come out of Nazareth? I'm not really sure. There's skepticism. You know what Philip's answer is? Look at the end of verse 45 or verse 46. He says this, come and see. Take a look. Okay, I'm telling you this, but I want you to take a look for yourself. I want you to see this. I found him, but you might have some questions you need answered. But this is the one that I think is the answer to our greatest need, our greatest problems uh, that we have. This is the one who's the answer. And so what do you have? Nathaniel shows up and a very unusual statement in verse 47. When Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And you're saying, oh, was Nathaniel sinless? No, that's not what he's meaning. Okay, his general character of life is he's not one who's going around deceiving people. He's pretty open about everything he does. Not hiding anything. And it is stated when Nathaniel gets the statement and we found Jesus of Nazareth, he goes, really? Jesus of Nazareth? I'm not really sure about that. But as you look at verse number uh, 40. Uh, Uh, 48 nathaniel says whence knowest thou me jesus answered and said unto him before that philip called thee when thou wast under the fig tree i saw thee all of a sudden when he starts uh, coming to christ and he starts asking questions he suddenly realizes i'm not dealing with just some man i'm dealing with one who's got knowledge of god 
Because there was only one person in the whole universe that would have known that he was under that fig tree and it would have been God himself. And so he realizes this because you look at his response in verse 49. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi or teacher, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. I mean, he, he goes, this is the one. If this person knows those type of things, okay, Philip's probably right on this. This is the one to place faith in. So you have here that one reached out to reach a friend and though the friend was skeptical the questions were be able to be answered and that friend eventually came to christ you know what sometimes when you get saved or you go out with people you work with and co-workers and friends that you have uh, they're skeptical and you know what sometimes you have to do is this and say well i'm telling you this is the right one this is the one that you need but come and see Okay, you've got questions. Let, let me show you from the, what? The Word of God. What it says about this one, this Jesus, why he had to come, why he had to die like he did. What is the importance of him rising from the dead? And a person answers questions like this. There have been multiple times where I've had the opportunity, and maybe you've had the same uh, in life, where you've opened up a discussion with somebody and said, listen, could we, could we have a Bible study? Okay, I'm telling you, you need Jesus, but do, do you understand who Jesus is? Do you know who he is and what he did and why he had to do these things? Do you understand that? Have you ever read your Bible before? Have you ever opened it up and even look at it to get the answers from the Scripture? And what you will oftentimes find is that there's people who will call themselves even Christians because they were raised in some sort of environment or the like, and they'll call themselves Christians, but they have no knowledge of Christ. They really don't know who he is and so you say you need jesus and i'm i give my life to him because he's done so much for me i can't pay for my sins but he's the most important person this person is thinking really what am i missing about him and you say come and see you you want to take a look at what the scripture says i'm willing to answer some of your questions and what i have found oftentimes with the bible studies and we've been going through uh some of this foundation material and i've been able to go through this with different individuals when you go through some material and you start going here's what the scripture says about this and this all of a sudden these people start asking questions they get off you know they get off topic you know you're like you're dealing with this but they start asking questions and you start answering these questions they're skeptical and they want the answers question or answers uh, the questions answered that they have and so you go well here's what the scripture says okay this isn't my opinion this isn't what i here's what what the word of god says about that question that you've asked me and here's another thing that this scripture says and another thing that this scripture says and over time the individual finally loses their skepticism and says this one is the one that i need this one truly is the Son of God. This one is the King of Israel. This one's the Savior of mankind and the world. This is the one I need. And so you sometimes have this opportunity that you will have uh, with friends and co-workers to be able to witness to them, and it may not be immediate. There may be some skepticism on their part, but you keep going, listen, let me direct you to what the Word of God says and answer your skepticism that you have the opportunity after repeated reaching out to them that they come and accept this Christ as Savior.
that could be the case. And so it may be that this year you have the opportunity to reach out to friends, co-workers, and answer their skepticism, and after repeated reaching out, they come to Christ. There's one other case, and as I was looking at this, uh, just kind of going through this message, and I read through uh, beginning the year here, I came across John chapter 4 and was reminded of another person who reached out. And it's one that we would call the woman at the well, and I would just simply say this, reaching out to people you once offended. You know, before you got saved, you may have been a miserable person hurtful, spiteful. And you have this woman who comes to the well in the middle of the day and you go, why would she come in the middle of the day? Not at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, in the cool of the day. It's because she has a reputation in the community. In fact, as the Lord talks to her and goes through the conversation and she begins to understand that this Jesus is offering to her living water, water that she will never need to go and go to a well again to get this out, that there's this living water and it's in himself, she tries to turn the conversation, but in John chapter 4, the Lord then goes, well, go and call your husband. She goes, well, I, I don't have a husband. And the Lord says, you've rightly said. You've had five. And the one whom you're living with now is not your husband. So obviously in this community, she would have been known. This is why she's going in the middle of the day so she doesn't have to run into people uh, to get the water from the well. But after this lengthy conversation where she suddenly comes to realize that the Lord is saying this, it's not in the location that your people have been saying, the Samaritans, that you're going to worship, or in Jerusalem. Those that are going to worship me are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. There's going to be a change in their own heart that's going to take place, and it's going to happen, and it's going to be as the result of, and you get to the end of the conversation, that he is the answer. In fact, he says, I, you know, you've been looking for the living water and you're trying to find out who this Messiah is that's going to come and be the answer to everything. He that talketh to you, I am he. You go, well, what did she do with this message? Okay, verse 27. Okay, he says, I am he. I'm the one that you need. And she goes, aha. So what does she do? Verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And verse 28, The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith to the men of the city, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? She comes into this town of individuals that she has offended and been not right with, and she comes back in and simply says this, I found someone who's told me what I'm like, which everyone would be like, "Uh uh-huh. What I'm like, and he knows all about me, is this not one, the Christ, the Messiah? And she calls people to come, and as you see this statement throughout John 1, come and see You need to come and see this Christ too. I may not have all the answers, but I found him. 
So why don't you come out and see him? And when you have this uh, happen, it's the statement, uh, it kind of is a back and forth as far as the story of John, where you have the disciples going, do you want meat? And he goes, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Yet saith he, four months into harvest, look into the, har- or look into the fields, they are white already into harvest. You go, what is he talking about? As he, in the midday there, people would have been coming out of the town and they would have been wearing white because they wouldn't have been wearing colored outfits. They're coming out of that town and it's like a whitened harvest and he's pointing to this crowd, look into the fields for they are white unto harvest. And these people come up and they start asking him questions. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman that te- which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode with them uh, two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of your saying, thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Here you have a woman who has offended many people, but she says, listen, I know what I'm like and what I have been like. There's one who's told me that and has changed my life as the result of meeting him. You need him too. And they have opportunity to search, you know, search out Christ, to talk to him, to understand certain portions of Scripture, and they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It may be that you have the opportunity to reach out to individuals whom you never thought you would be able to because you're able to confess to them, I'm a changed person as a result of meeting this one who is the Messiah. He's changed me. You ought to find out who he is and what he's like. Come and see. Come and see this Christ. I may not have all the answers, but I can at least direct you the word and maybe get you to a location where you can talk to somebody who can give you what is in here about this Christ, this Messiah, and you can understand him better. It may be that you have the opportunity to reach out and touch an individual with the gospel who you at one time offended. See, the goal for this year and for you as individuals and for us as a church is one that is a very simple motto for this year. Not difficult, not hard to remember, but is one that we could just simply state like this. Each one, do what? Reach one. Sometimes we think that it's just the responsibility of the pastor to reach individuals. The answer is absolutely not. One of a number of different individuals in the congregation is what the pastor is. You're a member of this body, but you have the opportunity to reflect Christ, you yourself. And this year you ought to have as a desire to reach an individual with the gospel. You say, I need need to see him saved? No, no, that's not what we're saying here. But your desire is that they come to know Christ. It may be that you have an individual that kind of knows Christ and they're probably saved, but you are the one who comes alongside them and perhaps through Bible study or time spent with them, answering their questions and directing them to the Scripture that they become a follower of Jesus Christ like they should be. They become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that takes time. 
And that may be what you're called to do. Or it may be that you just simply say this, I have individuals in my life, in my family, in my co- uh, worker, with my co-workers, in my job, in my community, that I know that need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to make a determination to try and reach them. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, oftentimes it does come with prayer. You start praying and go, Lord, I need an open door. I need an opportunity here. Lord, show me the best way to reach these individuals. When and how, uh, but Lord, give me direction. But your desire ought to be this year, whether it's just by giving an individual the gospel and starting them down that path, or that you're with them and helping them to become a follower of Jesus Christ who can then direct others and call others and go, hey, we know this Christ, this Messiah, this Jesus who saves, who's the Savior of the world. We know who He is. And they start reaching others that you could never reach because of their connections. But your goal this year ought to be this. I ought to reach one. Now I'm going to say this. If you reach one, that doesn't mean, oh, I can stop there. You know, let's take it literally. No. But the fact is, is we, we need to be conscious of this. Who am I impacting? Who am I attempting to reach with the gospel? I mean, I, I've got many things in life that I can be doing and many things in life that I have opportunities to do, but what are some of the things that are going to last for eternity? It's the time that I spend with individuals and the opportunities to reach out to them that I am going to have perhaps the joy, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where he talked about individuals that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said, are you not my joy, my glory, my crown? That's really what's going to bring me delight in eternity, not all the stuff I did in this life and activities and hobbies and recreation and the like. No, it's going to be those times where I had to give the gospel to you or to help you grow to be more like Christ so that you were reaching out to others. That's the type of thing that has eternal rewards, eternal benefits. And so the question for you is the congregation, an individual in the congregation, have you thought about who you might reach this year? What individual that you desire or individuals you desire and are you praying about this? Are you working to train yourself better? As we go through this year, we've got some different things we've been doing. We've been working through the Bible study material that allows you to get the basis of Christianity and the understanding of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the foundation material that you've been working through in Bible studies here in the church and Sunday school. Uh, it may be that you have the opportunity to take somebody through that, not just, just get them through a book. Spend time with them. So the most encouraging times you can have is when you're with an individual and you start talking about this and then you're with them regularly reflecting Christ with them. But it may be that you, you train yourself in understanding how to do this. And some of you have done this. You've taken some of this Bible study material and you go, I've got a co-worker at work and I'm working through this with them because they don't understand even the basics of Christianity. They claim to know Christ and, and you're doing this. But it may be that there's this. There are people that you know that don't know Christ. 
and you're just simply saying, Lord, what can I do to reach them? Lord, give me opportunities to do this. Help me to see opportunities where I can reflect Christ and share Christ and do this, and your desire ought to be that I am reaching somebody or many buddies throughout this year and reaching them as best as I can for Christ. I can't save them. I can't make them more like Christ, but I can make the effort to help them, to be the tool, to be the instrument for them to know Christ. So this will be the goal that you'll see reflected uh, on the screen, but you'll hear this statement and challenge as we say, hey, we've got this seminar to train you to be a better witness. Jesus Christ, we've got that coming up here in February. We've got the Bible study material that we've been going through. We have this in case you need it and say, you know, I need to start a Bible study with somebody. We've got it in the office. We can give this to you and you can work through this with somebody. Uh, perhaps you just do read through the Bible with somebody, but that you're helping them understand this Jesus and that they become a follower, a, a follower of him, but become a disciple that is then themselves reaching out to see others saved. And I trust that that's your goal. Each one, reach one, and that we can delight at the end of this year where we can go, I saw somebody grow in the Lord. I saw somebody come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior this year. It's not because of anybody, anything fantastic I did, but the Lord was able to use me as an instrument. And I got to be a part of being God's hands and reaching out to individuals and calling them to be saved. I trust that that's your desire. Each one, reach one. May we reach those that we have contact with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for each one of us as, uh, in this room as we have a statement like this put up here. But there are individuals that are in our sphere of influence. They're next-door neighbors, the people we do business with, their family members, even at times people that cross our paths. May we have a desire to reach individuals with the message of Jesus Christ. And granted, we may not have all the answers, but we can direct people to go, come and see, look in the Scriptures, see what the Word of God has to say about this one Jesus. Meet Him, hear Him and His words that He speaks and the words that are said about Him, and meet this one Jesus who's changed my life, who's given me eternal hope, that's given me life beyond this life because of his death on the cross, but yet he rose from the dead to show that he had power over death. This one who is a savior, he's also a friend. Lord, may we be able to reach individuals this year. And it may not be that they come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and saved immediately, but we see that they begin to understand and have questions answered as a result of us as individuals, and time spent with them. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for uh, you saving us. However it was, whether you directly came and, and uh, we were saved without really anybody having impact other than us hearing the preaching of the Word or uh, reading the Word, but it may have been through the influence of a family member, a friend in the community, 
that we came to know Christ, may we be able to do some of those things in reaching people just as we were reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we love you, Lord. We thank you for first loving us, sending your son to show your love and display it and demonstrate to us. May we go and share Christ and reach others with the message of Jesus the Christ. In this we pray in the name of the Son. Amen.